Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod. Hello and welcome along to the Rugby Pod, brought to you as usual by our good friends at Guinness. We'll be bringing you more live shows with them as the season goes on. And if you're into coffee, they've partnered with Brad Barrett's Tiki Tonga Coffee Roasters to create a new coffee. It's called 232 Brew, which will go nicely with the morning World Cup kickoff. So check it out at tikitonga.co.uk if you fancy getting your hands on some of that. Jim and Goody are with me as usual. How are you boys? I'm good. Why are you looking at me? Well, I just know what's coming, Jim. You feel weird, don't you? Because you saw me on the TV. Is that weird for you seeing me on the TV? It's weird to see you with a full head of hair. Dust, mate. The dust's come out again, isn't it? A thick now. Why haven't you got it in today, though? What, you bothered as food? Yeah, I was in the sauna this morning, that's why. It's all sweaty. Naked. Um, So, you know, when you put the dust in, does it, and you sweat, does it all, like, you get black lines? No. No, No, I don't really sweat. What, is it coloured dust? Well, it goes with your hair. If I put green dust in, I'd have green hair, wouldn't I? You have a green penalty spot. Just thickens the hair. Okay. Just thickens the mould. But no, I'm, I'm good. I had quite a relaxing weekend. Um, I had a lunch for Guinness on Friday uh, at Brigadier's in the city with Ed Jackson. Oh, my curry. The best Indian I've ever had in my life. You say that every time you have an Indian I twice know, a week. I know. And then Saturday, well, I, don't, I can't remember. Anyway. No, Sun- I tell you, you had a birthday party that we weren't invited to. Sunday was the birthday party for the for the twins. Invite or not? Uh, no. Why? I, I helped source the birthday cake for you. Help source the birthday cake? Yeah, we were going back and forth on social about what birthday cake to get. And I said, get the caterpillar cake from Tesco. Oh, yeah. You obviously said no. I know that you want to go higher end than Tesco, which I actually, you know, Tesco for me is like quite high end. Right. And you've, I've sent you a, a, a link. I mean, talk about splash out the cash. You had like a bouncy castle. Oh, yeah. Disney characters or some shit oh, come yeah. along. Uh, what wow. was that thing in the hallway? Uh, that was Maggie Moo. They, they, they go to Moo Music. It's a kid's class where they love the music. Oh, I got into this boiler suit. Have you, have you noticed I'm a bit thinner today? No. Oh, shit. No. <laughs> anyway, that suit that you saw, I was in the cow suit. Oh, how hot is it? How hot are those? What What have you done? What, what have you done? Why have you done that? The girls love it. I dressed up as Maggie Moo in the Maggie oh, Moo my suit. Ma- oh, my Maggie poo. I mean, That's all I'm saying. I was sweating my... Udders off. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Udders. I was waiting for someone to Yeah, Tim gave me the expression. I'm, sweating I my udders off in there, um, but the girls loved it. But that, that, you know, mine was a quiet family weekend. We need to hear about Jim's Friday, don't we, James? Why? You're in trouble, aren't you? I've been in the dog bed for the for the weekend. I'll be <laughs> you honest. and Bruce in the dog bed together. I've been in the dog bed. Stinking. Yeah. I was at um, a thing on Friday for Wooden Spoon. It was Rugby Speaker of the Year. And naturally, they want to get the best speakers in the land to battle it out. So me, the Bantasaurus Haskell, and Kieran Bracken got called in late. Now, Kieran Bracken won it in 2017. Mark Regan in 2018. Our, our Ronnie Regan's run that. He's awful. So, <laughs> he's horrific. Do you know what happens every time? So every time I go and do an afternoon speech, I'll say, they'll say, look, we'll have you some funny stories. It can be loose. And I always say, how loose? And they say, it can be really loose, but not Mark Regan loose. And apparently he won it last last year, so he must be all right. Um, what is this? Is this be- a battle or something? Yeah, yeah. So it's an like, actual battle. Yeah, it's yeah. like fuck a pop a dot crock off the. What M&M you're rapping or what? Well, no, it's just well, you if get, you want, you, you can get, if you want. Would you get three? You, you get fifteen, 15 minutes. Slots. You get you get a fifteen minute slot each, and you've got to tell your funniest, loose but not Mark Regan loose stories. Right. Haskell goes up first. Um, Any I, good? Yeah, I thought he was good. It's not easy. It's not easy getting in, up in front of the millions. I get up second. Think I've nailed it. Kieran Bracken, because he was called in lastminute.com, won it in 2017, smashed it. He was really good, to be fair. So he, so Brax won. Yeah. You came. Second. 
I wonder why Haskell didn't put anything on his Instagram because he came third and last. He's normally putting everything on his Instagram. Didn't mention that one, did you, James? Well, some of them, you know, some people not might you, see, James Haskell. Some people might see it as third, as in bronze. Yeah, it's last. some people might see it as last as you, mate. You know, we're just going out there, just trying to make our way through life. Yeah. But Kieran Bracken, very good, very polished, and uh, he set the bar for, from what I've seen of, of speakers. But that that isn't the story. That isn't the story. So it finished about four. Nerves was gone. Had a couple of beers. I was off home. Get back. R4. And I've walked past the pub. And Alistair Hargreaves, Chris Wiles, the Wolfpack guys are there. Jim, come in for a beer. You all right? 12 hours later, I've walked through the front door. So I've gone from 4 p.m. to getting at 4 a.m. Do you think the missus is happy? Absolutely raging, I reckon. Absolutely filthy. She's not happy. She's got a point. She's got a point. You can't do that, James. Yeah. Just tell her you're going to be home at four and she'd have been fine. No, I don't know. 4 a.m. Yeah. You could have used the thing. Well, I said four. She said, where's I your... I just didn't tell yeah. you whether it was a.m. or p.m. She, yeah, well, that's what I said. That's what I, And that went down even worse. <laughs> I said I'd be home at four. Filthy. She's right now. I mean, it, it, you know, the, the listeners will know it takes, you know, a day or so. To get rid of the hangover or just get out of the bad books? Just get over the beer fear and get the, let the apology sink in well i know how you've apologized what and i know what you've done over the weekend what i got a message oh what's happened now on uh, instagram <laughs> over the weekend from someone called toby jacob o2 hi andy uh, i think jim does actually love his kids i work in clark's and he came in with all four of his kids at the weekend he may also think i'm weird because i was staring at him the reason i was staring at him was because he only bought shoes for jj what's wrong with the other three <laughs> <laughs> I love my kids. So that that just shows how good a dad I am. I go out. I, what better thing to take your kids to Clark's? There's no better thing for a kid to go. You, you dress up. You you dress up as Mr. Pooh or whoever it is. Maggie Moo as, as Maggie Moo. I take everywhere. my kids to Clark's. That's it. And you only buy JJ some. I actually bought Phoebe some as well, but I bought hers. Hers were on sale because uh, she ain't talking to me because I didn't pick her up. So <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so do you see a bloke looking at you weirdly? Well, that happens most places again. Who's the freak? You just don't know. One, if they've seen me on TV. One, if they think, oh, well, I'm a giant. Two. See, when you say one weird. and say something, then the next one is two. Oh, is it one, two? Yeah, I'm still yeah. struggling now. But yeah, but people look at me a lot. Now, I don't know whether because that's they think I'm a 10 out of 10, because I'm a giant, or because, like I said, they, uh, they've seen me on TV. I mean, it could be any of them three. So, Beck, I know you listen. She doesn't. But I love you. I love my children. Do you think there'll become a, a, a time when you kind of grow out of this? Or what are you doing to half four? What do you mean? What are you doing? <laughs> Eating you and doing? sleeping. I am. Why are you hiding in a, in a Maggie Poo suit? Why are you doing that for? <laughs> How was your weekend, Andy Rowe? Actually, I didn't get up to much at all. I just watched Jim on television. What yeah. are you doing? YouTube and Jim? It's did, another story. Did it look good on TV? I tell you what, I was happy the game went ahead because I wasn't sure whether it was going to happen or not. So. Yeah, it was amazing that they even got the games to go ahead considering that people actually lost their lives during the typhoon. To get three games to go ahead was a, quite a feat in itself, wasn't it? Yeah, phenomenal. Um, you know, there was a lot of debate before the game, uh, before the weekend about games going ahead. And um, you know, I don't think it was more people having a pop at Japan because ultimately you're in typhoon season. But it was a pop at World Rugby about what the contingency plans were. Bottom line is, when something as devastating as that comes in, first and foremost, you, you know, you want everyone to stay safe and well. And unfortunately, we've seen devastation. But if there's ever a country that's hardworking, that knows how to create something out of nothing, bear in mind in England, if there's a bit of snow, a bit of rain, everything's gridlocked. Everyone's moaning. Things don't work. Japan, to get those games on after that typhoon, and we all saw on social media how brutal the typhoon was and the devastation it caused. It's just phenomenal. So, um, you know, the Japanese from you know anyone involved in the games to you know 
people around the infrastructure of, of getting to a game. It was just phenomenal to see the, the games go ahead. And it, you're watching it and actually watching those games that went ahead, you wouldn't even know there was a typhoon. That's mm. how hard they worked to get it all on. It was just yeah, brilliant. Were you surprised that they didn't have any contingencies around the, some of the games, especially the one that's been sort of well documented, the Italy New Zealand game, there was no room to push it back or move it forward? See, I went down the initial lines like a lot of other people, probably not understanding the severity of the typhoon in the lead up to it. And my initial thing was feeling sorry for Parise and feeling sorry uh, for Leonardo Geraldini, a hooker who would have played his last game for Italy. And, you know, a few people mentioned Conor O'Shea. You would never have known what would have happened in the game. You know, New Zealand might have got two players sent off. And Italy might have won the game and qualified for their first quarterfinal of a World Cup. So I'm listening to that and watching that. I'm like, I get it. And then actually, as it's building up to the Scotland game and you're seeing the stuff going on and you're on social media and you're hearing people are dying and stuff like that, you're actually thinking, well, you know what? It's a fucking game of rugby at the end of the day. Talking of your point, though, could they have moved it? All the teams signed up before the World Cup. I don't know where you sign it. I don't know whether... You know, it's just if you go to the World Cup, that's you signing or you physically have to sign a document. I don't know how that works that says if a pool game gets cancelled, it can't be moved. Like, so you've signed up to that. And as we know, Japan is susceptible to typhoons. It's typhoon season. This was going to happen potentially. You know, there was a good chance and it did happen. But all the talk now, and we'll talk about it, is the fact that the Scotland-Japan game went ahead and it lived up to all the expectations and more. And probably because of the build-up that we had. So, as a rugby fan and pundit, I'm not thinking about the New Zealand-Italy game. It's gone now. I'm thinking, actually, how well Japan, like Guli said, as a nation, managed to get that game on. I'm thinking about the people that lost their lives and lives have been affected by a natural disaster and actually thinking, well, you know, that game just couldn't have gone ahead. I completely understand that. I think everyone's gripe with it was the fact that whether it's a typhoon this week and it was horrific or a typhoon next week, there's different parameters and different contingency plans that supposedly World Rugby have, have put in place. So a knockout game, in terms of quarterfinal, semifinal, final, there's contingency plans to delay it so that when it can get played or perhaps move it. But for Italy, it was a knockout game. It was a winner-takes-all. Yeah, New Zealand obviously were already qualified, but for them, they could have qualified by beating New Zealand, which everyone was saying, you know, is they've never done it and they weren't likely to. But sport, you need a chance. And so it's, you know, understanding the devastation of everything that's gone on is one thing, but also knowing that you're going to Japan for a typhoon season during the World Cup, I think there should be contingency plans in place for every game to be able to get them played. You know, we've had four-day turnarounds for certain teams within the World Cup. And I think that, you know, that was everyone's gripe with it, really, not what was happening. But then you hear some ridiculous things in the press that people are saying. And the most ridiculous thing that was said was Eddie Jones. Surprise, surprise. Like the terrorists. Oh my God. I mean, what a quote. It's typhoon season here in Japan. So you go somewhere else and it's terrorist season. What are you on about, Eddie? How's that been brushed under the carpet? Just uh, just let you know, terrorists don't have seasons. Oh, we, we, we're having this week off, boys. It's just ridiculous. I mean, that's the head coach of England and it has been brushed under the carpet, hasn't it? Yeah, it has been, yeah. Like, why aren't England rugby saying, Eddie, shut the front door. What are you talking about? It's a disgrace to say that sort of thing. Yeah, and then he said, oh, the typhoon gods are smiling on us. You know, he's not making it out to be a joke, but he's making he's flipping... about yeah, it. Yeah, joking about it, making flipping comments about it. It's, you know, so you can't win either way in terms of when you put into perspective people losing their lives and then saying about a rugby game 
a rugby games are relevant when people are losing their lives, but people's arguments were you have to have a contingency to give Italy that opportunity to beat the All Blacks because they might, you know, Parise is never going to get it again. And it's not about his swan song. Giraldini, they would have wanted to, they'd prepared for years knowing the group stage that they're in. They were top of the group after the first two games. They then lost to South Africa. They got one last chance. And no one gives them a chance of beating the All Blacks. Of course they don't, but you just don't know in sport. Mm. Talking about one of the games that was played, the, the biggest game, uh, Japan, Scotland. Has there been a bigger game in pool play for the neutrals in the world? Um, most of the amazing stories that have been around a World Cup, especially the last two, have been about Japan. 2015 beating South Africa and then what they've done at their own World Cup. Um, and they were phenomenal. You know, Talking about Typhoon and Hagavis, if the game didn't go ahead, everyone knew that Japan had qualified. But they wouldn't have wanted that as a country. They wouldn't have wanted to... You know, The nature of their culture is very hard-working. And, you know, you... you you get what you earn. So they wouldn't have wanted the game to be cancelled to then qualify for the first quarterfinals. They would have wanted to do it the way they've done it and they've been unbelievable. The performance, you look at the game and, and you know, Jim will sum it up a, a lot better having uh, been the, the brains behind the ITV studios. Did you see me? You look very good, mate. Cheers, mate. Yeah. I like your yeah. Um, watch. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean... The accuracy, the fitness, the contact skills, the footwork, the offloading, the crispness of passing. It was just that they were brilliant, weren't they? Oh, they were class. And in the build-up to the game last week, you could hear that I was nervous and I wanted to back my team and I wanted to back my mates. But deep down, I knew it was going to be tough. Having done a lot of research on the World Cup naturally, because I don't know if you know, I've done a bit for ITV. So you're looking at teams and then you look back on Scotland's performances and thinking, right, how are they going to beat Japan? How are they going to beat a team that are as physical and look after the ball and can score tries? And looking at what I'd seen in the recently, last Six Nations and this World Cup, I didn't know how they were going to beat Japan if Japan played how they played against Ireland. Now, Japan were better than how they played against Ireland. And the build-up had... You, you just didn't know whether the build-up was going to be too emotional for them, uh, how they were going to have, have dealt with that. I thought it would have been better for Scotland with the build-up they'd had with a bit of disruption because it took the edge off it. I mean, you speak to anyone who was in that stadium, the common commentators, you know, Flatman said the same, and Nick Mullins, who was there, Scott Hastings, they've never experienced an atmosphere like it. Now, the game lived up to the expectation that it's been building for the last two years. And, you know, Scotland could have came back, but Japan, it was no fluke. They were exceptional. Goody mentioned their contact skills. Their contact skills are up there with New Zealand in terms of their ability to look after ball, their ability to get off the game line. Offloading out the tacklers are ridiculous. Yeah. Like across the board, not just LaFerley at 13 doing it. I'm talking front rowers. In a Gaki's try under the sticks, front row offloading, you know, it was just phenomenal across the board. So they've got the, the ability to go wide and Scotland's defence was pretty narrow at times, wasn't it? But it's not just getting the ball into the wide channels. The accuracy of the passing out in front, which gains those extra five yards. Then Scotland are retreating more, which then means you can't get on the front foot to make a tackle. And then the offloads. It was just, it was brilliant. So we were talking, um, we were talking about tackling. Scotland's first up tackles for the first 15, 20 minutes were really good. I think Jamie Ritchie at half time had made 17, 18 tackles before half-time. WP now was on about 16. Scotland had made over 120 in the first half. So I'm looking back at the game, I'm like, what could Scotland have done differently? I actually don't know. How did Japan keep the ball for so long? Didn't they have like 70%, something like that, 70% position in the first half? Fitness and the fact that they are used to playing in them conditions. Look how many drop balls you've seen. That you said it there, the skill level. You see a lot of drop balls around the World Cup and everyone thought, oh, it's just fitness. It's, it's Fitness isn't just running. Fitness is being able to 
run at speed, but also have the accuracy to do what you're doing at high intensity. So you're offloading game. You, know, you can get running fit, can't you? And I'm sure Japan are, are running fit as well. But to test out their skills as they did and their handling ability, you're right. I don't know what Scotland could have done, to be fair. I don't know. I don't know where, from a Scotland perspective, they go now. You know, they were desperate for the game to go ahead. Of course, they were. Like Mark Dodson, the CEO. Uh, oh, he's in trouble. Yeah, he's now. in a bit of trouble now yeah. off the back of it. But it's like they wanted the game to go ahead because we would have been out. But I'm looking at that now. And it's difficult to gauge, isn't it? Because, you know, the first game against Ireland, a lot of people would have thought that Ireland would have won that game. You've walked the next two games against Samoa and Russia. You know, they've not even scored a point against you. And then you come up against you come up against that. I mean, I just, everything, what that was. You know, Japan host nations done so well. The lead up, the emotion. Yeah, I mean, for me, that's one of the best games I've uh, watched ever. Yeah, I, you know, and I know I was uh, mentioned doing it for ITV, but that's one of the best games. You've been on, you've been on TV. Yeah, I was on TV on oh, Sunday. Fucking hell, no, no, you've no, seen no. Me funny, yeah, you were funny. But uh, Japan fully deserved that victory, and Scotland—they're off home as this podcast getting released. What do you reckon? Where do they go? Greg Laidlaw's going to retire. John Barkley retire. Tommy Seymour potentially retire. WP now, maybe. I don't know. Like coaches. Yeah, I mean... There's, there's cries of bring back Vern. Look, if you want a frank answer, and again, I love Gregor. Uh, I was coached under Gregor, and it's easy to sit here and judge. In my opinion, Scotland haven't evolved since Gregor's been in charge. Vern, as much as he doesn't like me, and I don't like him, as a coach, he brought Scotland on to a point where we'd never been in terms of the way that we were playing, in terms of the mindset. For whatever reason... You know, and it might not be Gregor's fault. It might be the other coaches. It might be the players. I don't know because I'm not in in the camp there. But we don't know who the captain is. You know, Stuart McAnally, albeit had a bad game against Ireland, gets dropped. Why would they drop him? I don't know. I don't know. John Barkley gets bombed out of the squad. You know, these things, in my opinion, have an effect on the team, on the team around. Uh, I'm not saying that if you're captain and you're playing shit, then you shouldn't be picked. But you don't make someone a captain and then and drop them. So I I don't know where Scotland go. You know, is there a case that Vern? Because Vern has been heavily questioned at Montpellier. I do, a, I did do a lot of work on the French top fourteen. I can't see Vern coming back. You can't? No, I don't. Don't think he left on great terms. I'll be honest. They were successful under him in terms of moving a, a, a team and a culture on. Yeah, I don't know what the, I don't know whether they were successful in terms of the amount of wins, but their performances. Yeah. I don't think what we saw against Ireland in that first game would have happened. I'm not saying they would have beat Japan under Vern. I'm looking at it, at it as in in terms of an identity of the team and in terms of a game plan in terms mm. of and in terms of right Scotland play like this like I, I just I just don't really know like what they're trying to play. Well, let's hear what Gregor Townsend thought about it when he spoke on Rugby Pass after the game. There's there's a lot more in this team experiences and what make you as a as a group and how you react to those experiences. That was a unique situation we, we were in tonight. Uh, we knew it was always going to be a, a challenge, given the way that Japan were playing, given our turnaround. But we we had the team and we had the uh, the ability and the start of that game to to go on and and win it by the necessary amount of points. Um, that we didn't is is hugely disappointing, and we we'll have to learn from that. And you don't get another shot in the World Cup for four, four years, but. We've got to improve as we, we hit our next tournament, which will be Six Nations in a few months' time. So where do you sit then with the whole Finn Russell 
Gregor Townsend thing because apparently there's, there was a fallout at Twickenham at that game that changed the way they played. I watched them that first half. Finn's kicking ball away that you just don't expect him to kick away, trying to find a miracle try from somewhere, which we know he's got a box of tricks. But keeping it in hand, they looked a lot better and a lot more threatening. Do you think there's issues with how they understand each other to want to play or the coach, he wants one thing, the players want another? I don't know. I know that Gregor and Grig had an issue that was that was spoken about in, in the uh, lead up to the World Cup. From everything I was hearing out of the camp was that this was the most motivated they'd ever seen Finn. He didn't want to be this maverick anymore. He wants to be the best 10 in the world. He wants to do what Sexton's done. He wants to do what Farrell's done. And again, if you go based on social media and all these kind of indicators of where players are, from what I was hearing, Finn was the most motivated he's ever been in terms of wanting to do something. Mm. You know, I'm not saying that's the worst that we've seen Finn, but he just didn't have an opportunity. They got blown off the park against Ireland. At the weekend against Japan, they had to bring a kicking game. That kick nearly worked. You know, the crossfield kicks nearly worked. But they're so aggressive in defence. The issue Scotland got, they haven't got any go forward. Mm. That's it. Bring back Jim. Bring back Jim. You said, <laughs> there's, there's you, you, said you were coming out of retirement, didn't you? There's cries for it. Mate, it's tough. I've been where the guys have. I was there in 2011. I don't know. It'd be interesting to see where Scotland go. Well, Hugo Greaves has tweeted us asking, does Gregor stay or does he go? Do I stay or do, do I, I go, go now? If you stay, there could be trouble. Um, I think they'll keep him. Whether or not that should be the case, I don't... I mean, you can't... Who else are you going to bring in? That's the question, isn't it? That it's, is the thing. So they've backed him. They've, From an outsider's view, and I'm just saying this from my opinion, they kind of moved Vern Cotter on because it was a time for either Gregor takes that job now or we lose him and he goes and takes a, a premiership job or a, a job in a different country. I don't think you can bin him off now. They've also got some quality players coming through so let's not all be down on it you know what I mean I mentioned McInnelly I mentioned Fraser Brown they're there, they're there for the long haul you know you look at um, Scott Cummings in the second row he is going to be a brilliant player Jamie Ritchie who was one of the best players on the pitch in the back row you've got Price at nine you've got George Horny 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 I'm Horny you know Finn's horny, still horny, one of the best tens in the world you know Hoggy his hair was actually growing through I saw it at the weekend albeit quite shiny you know you've got Darcy Graham on the wing you've got an array of centres so Depending, I don't want to look too far forward. You're going to win okay. the Grand Slam. We're, <laughs> we're going, to... <laughs> mate. You never know. You never know. Why Wales, Wales are on the well because I fucking think we might. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with me, mate. There's always this is it. My this is what happens. You know, as a player, I was the same. We'd win the wooden spoon, and then come it's the a, it's a win, isn't it? Yeah, it's a come the Six Nations. I'd convince myself that we're going to win the fucking Grand Slam again. So, <laughs> well, speaking of the future of Scotland, um, the future of Japan, everyone's talking about them now. Should they be uh, included into the rugby championship? Make it a Six Nations with Fiji. What are your guys' thoughts on what's been going on? Oh, imagine, imagine a Six Nations with Fiji and Japan. No, thank you. Um, <laughs> yeah, a lot of talk around it. I mean, it's crazy to even think that Japan are a tier two nation uh, now off the back of no, Scotland are now well they're not though are they oh, sorry. because the people who make the decision this is, there's nothing out there that says what defines a tier one and tier two I think it's an old boys club Craig Doyle on ITV did you see me on yeah I saw you on yeah, TV he saw yeah. me uh, he was speaking about it. we couldn't work out what what classifies as a tier one tier two whether it was a point system whether you're in the top ten no it doesn't work like that so forget about the tier one tier two we've seen teams now that need not maybe, they need and they should and I think that they will go into these bigger tournaments. Japan, demographically, is that a word? Should be in the championship. I think you mean geographically, but Damn. there we go. Damn. I think it'd be great for them. I think the, you know, we'll see at the weekend against South Africa in terms of how good they are. They don't necessarily need to win, but if they can compete, I mean, the next few years for them is going to be unbelievable. They need to be in the championship. If Argentina are, 
then Japan definitely must be. Fiji as well. I mean, we haven't even spoken about how good they were against Wales. They are fucking frightening. I mean, I imagine mean, tackling any of those can't, bags. You can't, though. This is the thing. There's nothing you can do. But the best, and that's the thing. So, Sean Edwards said, when uh, Tuis overscores that try, bounces off Josh Adams. I think Sean Edwards, the defence coach of Wales, said, how are you supposed to tackle that? What do you, <laughs> you know, ridiculous. You've got Bottier coming at you. You've got Bottier. What a great name as well. Bottier. Yeah. Uh, you know, you've got Tuis over, the lot of them. Randra. How good. I mean, ridiculous. He, he's the best player in the world, I reckon. Mate, he looks 40 as well. <laughs> I mean, you tell him. I ain't saying anything to him. <laughs> but yeah, I think that, you know, there has to be some sort of pathway. The hard thing for, I think, Fiji is, obviously, there is no team base there in, in, in Super Rugby. And only World Rugby can help that with funding, with sticking a Super Rugby team in, in, in the Pacific Islands. Um, That'd be awesome, eh? It imagine, would be. imagine seeing a Super team there, though. It'd be ideal. But then, you know, the Sunwolves have had their team taken away from Tokyo. And I know a lot of those boys didn't play for the Sunwolves because it's now come out they were playing in a B tournament to get them all playing together. Yeah, the Shadow uh, team. Very clever. And no one probably knew about it because, do you know what, no one paid them enough attention. But my God, you're paying every Japanese player and, and team attention now because of how amazing they've been throughout this World Cup and they knock Scotland out so everyone in England loves them even more. There was talk of Fukuoku, is that his right name? Pronounced it right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's talk of him, him finishing after the World Cup and becoming a doctor. Imagine that. He's like, I'll tell you what, I'm one of the best players on the world stage. I'm going to be a doctor. No, you ain't, mate. You're coming to France to get the biggest pay deal you've ever seen in your life. And you speak of coaches who's going to take over from Scotland. What about those coaches that are Jamie Joseph and uh, Tony Brown? Give him the England job. Give him the... Eddie Jones, see you later. Jamie Joseph will... He's got the... Regardless of what happens at the weekend, pick your nation. Where do you want to go? I think I, I think he'll stay at Japan. I think he should. I think that what they've done now, they can only build. I think there will be now a pathway into the championship. It's interesting, isn't it, though? So with Jamie Joseph, a Kiwi, who is coaching Japan, Steve Hansen's given up after the World Cup. I know they like to promote from within, and Scott Robertson's probably the, the lead candidate. Maybe not now. I mean, you're looking at that going, he knows his ruggers. Imagine if Japan make it to the final. <laughs> be madness, wouldn't it? Let's look ahead to the quarterfinals now and England face the Wallabies in the first one in Oita on Saturday. So we thought we'd get an Australian perspective on the game from a man who scored more tries for them at the World Cup than anyone else. Drew Mitchell joins us. How are you, mate? I'm not too bad, fellas. Thanks for having me on. No worries, mate. Set the scene. We're in London. Where is Drew Mitchell right now? Uh, Drew Mitchell sitting cross-legged in his bed, doing it on his lap. Eye mask just above my brow. Uh, It's 1.15 in the morning, just woke up to an alarm to make sure I got up for your call. And you got your dinner on your lap? No, no, just just my, my duna. Du, duvet, duna. Oh, 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 yeah. like a... oh your dingo. Uh, sorry, your dill. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, are you fully dressed? <laughs> are you fully dressed, mate? I am, mate. I am. I've uh, got some nice little bed shorts and a, and a little, uh, just a, a long sleeve, but light top. Oh, mate, it sounds, mate. It sounds cosy, mate. I wish I was there spooning you. I don't know why I'm saying that. Uh, anyway. Um, mate, mate, you, play, you play your cards right and you might be soon. Oh, mate. Hong Kong next year, we'll definitely do it again. Yeah, that's how, that's how we're friends, mate. We're almost best friends now. We're on a WhatsApp chat. Anyway, yeah. uh, Drew, talk to us, mate, because you played for Australia in the last three World Cups. Um, I know there's a couple of um, old boys in the team, some old team friends of yours, but what's it like watching this one? You know what? It's, uh, it's probably, surprisingly, it's been a little bit more difficult than I thought. Um I hadn't really had the itch since, you know, two years ago since I retired to, to go out there or to be out there or to play or anything like that. But this has been the first time really where I've kind of, you know, I've been really envious, almost jealous in a way. Uh, and yeah, f- finding it probably a little bit harder to, to watch um, than any other rugby that I've seen. So 
you know, I think because of my experiences at the, those World Cups, especially my most recent one uh, in 2015, uh, you know, where I just really thoroughly enjoyed the campaign and uh, and everything that sort of came with it. Um, I don't know I just I feel like I'm, I'm sort of missing out, but a big, I guess, lightning bolt of realization hits me and just says, "Well." <laughs> doesn't matter how much you miss it, you wouldn't be there anyway, so you just got to kind of suck it up. But then, just going back to that, obviously, everyone knows about the Gitto law that was the 60-cap rule uh, brought yeah, in to sure. bring him back. Why isn't it called the Drew Mitchell law? I want it to be called the Mitchell yeah. law, because it was, it was you as well. well. Well, mate, it wasn't just me as well. Like, it was designed around me, and just some lazy journalism just went for the bigger name and Matt Gitto. But <laughs> Who's he? Exactly, right? Like, if it was the Gitto law, it would have been 90, because he was sitting on 91, I think. I was sitting on 63. So, like, why would it be 60 if it was the, the Gitto law? You know what I mean? Uh, mate, it's, like, it's like, like this podcast, mate. A lot of people know it as the Jim Hamilton podcast with Andy Goode, so... <laughs> no one says that, James. Oh, no, they yeah. don't. No, no. <laughs> um, mate, but talking about the media, like, you're doing your thing yeah. over there. You're everywhere. Obviously, f- follow all the, f- the Fox Sports stuff. How's it all going on that side of stuff? Mate, it's, uh, mate, it's been good. I've been in the studio for all of the pool stages, so just uh, you know, doing the, the pre-game, half-time and full-time stuff. I've, uh, I've had one of you, your guys, uh, Stuart Barnes, sitting next to me for most of that. Oh, mate, yeah, oh, he's mate. not one of mine. I'm Scottish, mate. He's not one of ours either. <laughs> no, I know, but- I don't know. Would you even like claim to be Scottish after last weekend? I'm not sure, but um, oh, mate, don't be horrible. Wow. Straight in there, love it, Drew. <laughs> but you know, not only uh, not only have I been sitting next to him on the um, on the panel, but he's also been bumming a lift home with me because his uh, his daughter lives not too far around the corner from me. So that's where he's been crashing when he's out here in Sydney. But otherwise, mate, it's been good. But I'm on a flight in two nights' time to Japan to cover. Well, not to really cover, just to just to get up to Japan for the last um, three weeks of the World Cup. I was going to say, it would be a quick trip if it's just to to look after the Aussies, isn't it? Because they'll be out this weekend, won't they? Oh, oh mate. My. Come on, mate. That's, we've, uh, we've got an Aussie coaching boat team. So, um, you know, and, and I wouldn't, but some said that Robbie Deans did New Zealand favours when he was uh, coaching us. And then some are also suggesting Eddie Jones is being placed there by Rugby Australia. It's a great move as well. So I like that. I like that bit of scandal there. Mate, that, that's hilarious. <laughs> uh, what I wanted to ask you though, Drew, just on the ghetto law, uh, sorry, the Drew Mitchell law, because yeah. we've had a, a guy, a friend of the show and a, a former teammate of mine. He actually came into Saracens to replace um, myself. Uh, Big Willie, Little Willie Scouter. Now, he has been absolutely yeah. carving up over, over here. Last season, he was one of the best players in Europe. Is there any chat over there about why they've not brought someone of his quality into the squad? Uh, mate, you know what? There was uh, a lot of chat about it going in, and I know that um, Michael Checker went to great lengths to try and get Big Willie back. Side note, last World Cup, Big Will, Skelton and I were the only two in Fat Club, which I <laughs> fat, thought was Fat a Club? Up. What's that? What's Fat Club? Well, uh, yeah, you, not, none of you guys would know it. You get both too fit. But, yeah. Oh, no, no, uh, no, no, mate. I think Drew's drunk, mate. <laughs> it's uh, basically when you're not hitting your markers around the calipers and the skinfold time that you just go into a little club until you work it off. And myself at 96, 97 kilos was in there with 155 kilo Will Skelton at the time. So, <laughs> oh, big boy. Um, yeah, we, we, we got tapped on the shoulder to go do extras. But uh, I know that. I mean, he's held in high regard here as as much as he is up there as well. And Michael Checker went to great lengths. But because of uh, uh, that Gitto law uh, and because Will Skelton doesn't hit the 60-cap threshold, uh, he wasn't able to unless he was to be signed back here uh, for one of the Australian club teams to play Super Rugby for next year. And I think they tried as much as they could, right? really quite hard to get Will to come back. But I think he extended his time at the Saracens and I guess that dream was over and obviously looking at Australia um, we're obviously 
biased here about England but looking at Australia from your perspective how do you think they've fared over uh, the group stages uh, we know Checker loves to chat in the press and you know, there's been some interesting yeah. conversations that have gone on with you know, obviously the Reese Hodges red card etc how do you think they've got on Look, I, I think, you know, to be honest, I think it's probably been mixed. I don't think we're sitting in an ideal situation, but in some ways it's kind of, it's shaping itself to be perfect case for um, for what Michael Checker and Michael Checker coach teams really like, which is that siege mentality. Uh, it's us against the world. Um, you know, it's, it's only the blokes inside these four walls that are going to be able to do anything. No one's right, you know, no one's given us a chance type scenario. And as it's sort of, the, the tournament's progressed. I think he's really started to build that mentality within the group. And, you know, we saw just only a couple of days ago, a few of the boys, Solakai Loto and, and Tolu Latu, kind of like just bite back a little bit at some of the journos for asking in their in their, idea, uh, in their minds, like, stupid questions. Yeah, I like that, actually. Um, you know what I mean? So they're, they're sort of starting to stand up for it. They're sort of starting to see it that, you know, it's – the media's against them, like everyone's against them. And, and I think you've got to cling on to something when form's not necessarily been as consistent as you'd like. Players in, in key positions aren't necessarily standing up and owning that position. You need to hang on to something. And I think um, that siege mentality is going to uh, be something that the players hold on to and take out there and, and really try to use as some type of motivation. So ideally, not in the, um, probably the, the, the best position, but in the same breath, I think... Um, Michael Checker could really do something with uh, with where they're at. And you look, you look over the years. There's always been a fierce rivalry. 2003, obviously in Australia, when England lifted the World Cup, the last one, 2015, Australia obviously knocked England out of the World Cup. So, like as a player that's been in it and as an Australian, a lot of people not dislike the English, but they always see that England's one of their biggest games. For, for this Australia team, do they do they think the same kind of thing? Have they got memories of the 2015 as well? But how will they be approaching it? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, it's interesting. I've seen from both camps, um, both teams kind of come out and say that, you know, the history in the past is irrelevant. But of course, it's, you know, it's something that we're aware of. Whether, it's, whether you're consciously speaking about it, you subconsciously know about it. So it's going to have an effect on some players. And I think that's probably where that's, an, that's an, I guess, an area where Australia can probably really attack this English side is because simmering underneath their, their subconscious is the is those doubts that 2015 could happen again and you know, although our starts haven't been great in this World Cup if we can get off to a good start and put them under pressure whether it be territory pressure scoreboard pressure or whatever it is that starts to starts to just feed those little doubts that uh, you know like oh geez we're going to do it like it's happening again 2015 is being repeated. Then um, you know that that could be something that plays to our advantage. Uh, I was in that 2017 that got knocked out in in the quarterfinals as well. So there's always like it seems that rugby world cups a big clash always comes down to Australia versus England. And you know we were pretty well fancied in 2007. England rolled us then. Uh, obviously 2003 England um, were fancy going into that World Cup and and, and rolled Australia. So there's, there's always been a big game and. Uh, in some ways, that the underdog gets up a number of those times. Uh, you know, Australia in 2015 playing at England's home World Cup weren't fancy to get out of the pool of death as it was dubbed, and we found a way. So I'm tipping another upset this weekend. Ah, oh, nice, nice. Now let's let's chat about the Australian team and the makeup of it. Um, they've, yep. chopped, they've chopped and changed a little bit at halfback. You, we saw against Wales, they picked Genia and Foley, and then, you know, Lele Alfano's come back into the mix. Tamua's playing at 10. Um, who are you picking at 9 and 10 if it was if, it, if you were Michael Checker? Yeah, look, that's that's a, a difficult one, right? I, um, I, I think 9 will be Nick White. I think consistently through, well, from the uh, Rugby Championship and the, the World Cup, he's probably 
played the most consistent footy at number nine. And then you look at our number ten, and a lot of a lot of chats probably been thrown a bit of shade towards Michael Checker about chopping and changing. But in some ways, we've got to look at you know like players have to stand up and own that position, and no one really has done that. I I, I don't think necessarily anyone that gets this jersey on at number ten this weekend is going to be picked on form. So uh, you know you look at the tens. Most recent one was Matt Tamua. I think he's more of a 12 that can play 10 off the bench. Uh, his first instinct's probably more to run it, um, run it straight in the line. He gets consumed in a lot of rucks from number uh, as a number 10 because of his time at number 12. So I'd still have him come off the bench. I think if you look at Christian Leilu-Lefano, I think he plays really quite deep and needs to be sitting behind a you know really strong uh, forward pack that goes forward like he did at the Brumbies. I don't know if we'll get that against England or as much as he's comfortable with. And because because of how deep he sits in the uh, in the pocket, I think that'll really play into the English line speed. And Bernard Foley hasn't been fancied too much through this World Cup, but you've got to pick someone on something, right? And so you're not picking any of them on form. I'd pick on history, and history sits with uh, with Bernard Foley. He's also got history on this on this stage and this platform and the Rugby World Cup quarterfinals. He's done it against England. So I would pick him on history uh, if nothing else but I don't think that will I don't think that'll happen I think they'll go with Christian do you know what the latest is with Kirtley Beale's head injury uh, not officially no like I, I, I don't know officially but I've spoken to him through the week and he's been asymptomatic he said he's feeling good he's, he's feeling fine so I would imagine that if that's been the case you know in those days that I've spoken to him if he continues to track on that on that sort of plane then I, I, I would be surprised if I didn't see him out there and Goody's going to talk probably a little bit about the referees and um, they've been announced <laughs> over that. But I want to chat to you a little bit about Checker because I actually really, really like his personality. I like the way that he he yeah. wears his heart on his sleeve. As someone who's played under him, I know this World Cup has been tough for a lot of teams, a lot of coaches, um, you know, the players in particular with, with the, the red cards and the yellow cards and the bands, etc. Checker was quite vocal, wasn't he? Like just saying, you know, he, he wouldn't want to be a rugby player now in, in these kind of... Yeah, circumstances. What's it been like working with him, and how's he received in in the public over in Australia? Uh, yeah, I think uh, in terms of being perceived in the public here in Australia, I think you know some people kind of take the opportunity just to look at it on a surface level and seem passionate and emotional, and and sometimes short fused, and sometimes you know quite short with the with the media and, and some of the lines of their questions and and whatever. But I think from players, and you, and you look at that from the reaction of Tolu Latu and Solakai Loto, who when they did say it was a stupid question, was it was a question based on asking about Michael Checker and, and his behaviours. Um, and so straight away they backed him. Like without even thinking about it, they just backed him. And I, th- I think the one thing for me, when I played underneath Czech, he just goes into bat for his team and his players and he puts himself out there. He cops criticism as a result of it, but he just doesn't care about that. Like he has zero care for what people think about him. He just wants to be there and protect his players and protect, uh, you know, the what's happening in teams that he coaches, whether it be with the Waratahs, in my experience, or all the Wallabies as well. And and players respond to that. Like check, Michael Check is not in this role because he, he needs the money or he's got the job or he, he'll protect his role or his position because he, he needs the cash. He does it because he's genuinely passionate. Like the guy's pretty well set up. He's done pretty well um, outside of rugby before this to, to need this job. He does it because he wants it. He does it because he's passionate about it. And for those reasons, you know, that everything that he's doing is for the betterment of the group. I know I, I really quite like it. I, I, I like how he's short. I even like, you know, like his response. 
to Eddie Jones, um, you know, after those guys missing out in their last pool game, saying that it was perfect preparation. <laughs> and, and Michael Checker saying, going, well, if it's per- perfect preparation, then they should win, shouldn't they? <laughs> yeah, I like that. No, no point playing, like, you know. And it's just, it, it's a really crafty way of putting pressure on this English side, especially knowing that they didn't do so well under the pressure in 2015. Any opportunity to put the pressure on this English group, um, Michael Check is taking. I think it's, um, I, I think it's just, it's a good side battle that, um, you know, obviously in these World Cup games, like the, the, the contest is the 80 minutes on the weekend, but it's nice to have a, a little bit of a side battle kind of playing its way out through the course of the week as well. We'll talk about side battles as well. Ben Skeen uh, is a TMO. You, you've not been a big fan of Ben Skeen, have you? He's laughing already. No, yeah, yeah. Look, I, I've i been pretty vocal about it and um, nowhere near as vocal as he is in a game, right? And <laughs> I, I, I just think, I think, look, the referees, I, I think, are doing a great job in this Rugby World Cup under the guidelines that have been given and set out for them by the Rugby World Cup. Uh, I've got no real issue with the, the refereeing as, as a whole, I do have an issue with the TMO and the, the, the amount they they influence games and how often they interject, but not just how often, how long they then interject and, and slow the game up for. And, and and especially with this Ben Skeen in particular, his communication to the referee almost puts them in a position where they don't have any other way of going other than the way that he wants it to go, just by the line of questioning, the angles that he gives. And there's been a few times where, like, for example, Nick Berry has pushed back to the team up and said, no, I, I don't see it like that. Or asking, no, I want to see it in real time. Kind of really controlling the situation as, a, as opposed to letting the team out, uh, control the conversation. So I, I just think that Ben Skeen, too often when he's involved, he makes it about Ben Skeen. And you know what? To be honest, I wouldn't be able to name another TMO uh, that's operated at this Rugby World Cup other than Ben Skeen because... They don't make it about themselves, whereas Ben Skeen does. And then Jerome Garces, how do the Aussies fancy uh, him refereeing at the weekend? Because, um, yeah, I'm pretty nervous about it because who knows what's going to happen at the breakdown. <laughs> I don't know. No. <laughs> yeah, well, as long as we don't hear, uh, check, 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 it's Ben up here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I just think um, there was a bit of chat before the World Cup about the amount of French referees that we were getting in the pool stages. I guess just the unknown uh, with those. I uh, we had um, Garces at um, in Perth for the Bledisloe Cup, and I don't know maybe people are just trying to cling on to the fact that that was one of our better performances, and that means we, we're we're going to get a good performance again under this referee. It's one of those things, like it, you know, like you guys said it yourselves, it's an unknown. We don't really know what we're going to get. So in terms of the laws and the the tackle area, we've, as much as we disagree with them or we disagree with the inconsistencies of the sanctions after they've you know, being carded or whatever. Players have just got to adapt and we've got to ride this storm. Like 2015, they came down really hard on the no ta- no arm dive at the knee tackle. That seemed to be in vogue in 2015. And then it kind of phases out after the World Cup. They've chosen at this World Cup to use it as a platform to rub out the, the contact to the head. You know, we've seen guys in perfect tackle positions still get sent off and get three-week suspensions because of contact to the head. So there's a bit of... I don't know, I guess, ambiguity around these um, these sanctions, but you've just got to take that out of the game and and, uh, and take the referees out of the game by just a, a, adapting as much as you can. And, you know, I mean, I've, it's been pretty curious watching the dialogue on, on Twitter and the like, um, you know, people suggesting that Gar says doesn't, uh, doesn't reward the most dominant scrum, so Australia should be fine on that front. Um, <laughs> but I, I actually think our, our set piece has been pretty strong this, this campaign, and it's almost like, 
previous years, our, our set piece has been perceived to be a weakness and the strength is in the back, whereas this time around, I really think that our strength is in that tight five and, and our set piece is um, this campaign. Mate, you've got a player called Slipper. That's all I know. I mean, is his name really <laughs> called Slipper or not? Or is that is this like... <laughs> Is this just for the crowd? Right. No, it's uh, it's James Slipper. That's his oh, name. Yeah. Right. If you could have, if any name, call me Slipper. That is all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely love it. Well, mate, if, if the shoe fits. Shoe slipper. No, I get it. Flip, bad, jandal, yeah, flip flop. I get it. Last thing I'll ask you then, mate. Yeah. Um, let's yeah. talk talk about Eddie Jones because obviously he he polarizes opinions here in the UK. Uh, love him sometimes, hate him the other times. He said some ridiculous things last week about it's terrorist season somewhere else and it's typhoon season in Japan. What do the Aussies make of Eddie Jones being uh, in charge of England? What's he thought of back there? He can't be that well-liked, can he? Um, <laughs> I didn't know about that comment about the typhoon and terrorist season. Oh, but, mate, it's, um, been, it's been washed under the carpet, mate. Um, yeah, I think the, the, the least said on that one, probably the better. But, you know, I, I think... Um, Eddie's well respected here within Australian rugby. Um, well, here's my first Australian, like Wallaby coach. Um, so, you know, I've got a lot to, to thank him for. But he also had time here at the Queensland Reds, which probably wasn't as successful as he'd like. But I, I think people appreciate the character and the, and the um, you know, all of that that he brings to, to rugby. People especially like the head uh, here in Australia, the head to head between Michael Checker and Eddie Jones. I thought Eddie Jones did a really good job. Uh, in 2015, I think when no, sorry, 2016 maybe when England came to Australia for a three-game series and dusted us three-nil. Eddie Jones knew that perhaps mentally they were a bit fragile at the time, and he was really smart in making that that series, at least in the media, about Eddie Jones versus Michael Checker. And so all the media were talking about were those two head to head, two former players from Randwick. I think they played together at Randwick. Do they get uh, on to or not? I've heard they don't get on as well. Am I right in saying um, that? Or is that sure. is, is this just the, the press? No, I, I think it? there was a time where they most definitely did get on, but I'm sure it's probably strained now that they they go head to head and they make it about themselves. And like you know, well Eddie made it about the, the clash between those two, which took all the pressure off the players. And you could see they just went out there and played with a bit of freedom. And you know, once they won that first game, they weren't getting heckled from English media, nor they getting they copying anything from our media. And then. One game became two, became three, and it was a whitewash series. So I think Eddie's respected with some of the way he goes about his things and the, and the craftiness in his coaching. And at the moment, it's 6-0 to Eddie, Eddie Jones coach sides against Michael Checker coach sides. So, um, you know, that's been reported. And, um, yeah, everyone's pretty, pretty keen to to get one on the board for Michael Checker and, and his team this weekend. No, not so much. 7-0. 7-0. Mate, we'll see, mate. Well, Gitz likes him as well. <laughs> mate, how is Gitz anyway? Is that, is that what his friends call him? Gitz? Yeah, yeah. Gitz is what he's called. Um, mate, he's, he's well. He's, uh, he's been up up and back to Japan throughout the, the pool stages. Uh, I'll see him this weekend. We're going to be reunited up in Oita. But then he goes back home for the week. But then from semi-final weekend onwards, we're um, we're bunking together in his in his apartment up in, uh, in Tokyo. So... Um, we'll make sure we get our cuddles in and uh, and uh, and catch up on old times. Oh, nice. He was with Jim in London the other week. Has he mentioned Jim at all or not? Not so much. Yeah, he has actually. Oh, no, what did he, he say? What did he say? Oh, he said you're a good man. He said uh, you had him under the pump. He was only on the ground for 16 hours or so, but he was he was working pretty hard. But he said that it was made better to be um, to be working with you, Jim. He, he shares my thoughts. He thinks you're a good man. Oh, thanks, mate. I like his hair as well. He didn't have any hair at the time, he but tells when, when it's there. So, <laughs> Speaking of off-field relationships, uh, you guys got to know each other in Hong Kong, didn't you? Yeah, you, yeah. You, we tried. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. What, what, what do you know? Drew, Drew, what do you know? Can you tell what? us any stories of these boys nah, in Hong Kong? Yeah. How did they get on? I was in bed. It was quiet. Uh, I don't know what you're on about. Yeah, no, it was, it, was, it was quiet. We just went out for a, 
you know, a couple of drinks, a couple of wines and, and dinner and then uh, and wrapped it up there. We'll probably leave it at that. Yeah, yeah, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> please, we'll leave it at that, mate. Please do. But we will see you in April <laughs> in Hong Kong again. Right, Drew, thank you very much for joining us. I am best of luck for the weekend against the English. No worries, guys. Thanks very much for having me. Cheers, Drew. Cheers, Drew. Ledge. Thanks, mate. Thanks I, for that. I miss you. <laughs> miss you more. What a ledge. Uh, lovely guy. Um, misses the game. Obviously speaks quite openly. Yeah, we had a few uh, deep chats, didn't we, in Hong Kong? Yeah. Yeah, he misses it. Should we have a look at uh, the match point projected fellas? No. No? Well, no. I mean, yeah, out of Jim and I. So who's winning overall? Let's have a look at the league. Well, our pod league, yeah. the rugby pod league, is absolutely flying. We've got over 2,000 people in our league really? right now. Jim Hamilton, where do you think you are? 850. No, not far off. 953rd, Oh, I'll Jim. take that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mate, I, yeah I'll right. take yeah. that. You're in the yeah. top yeah. ten. I'm in the, I, I'm in the I, top half of the table. Producer, That's all you need to be. Producer Tim, where do you think he is? He's been busy, mate, writing notes. I reckon he's underneath that. I'm going to say 1,010. No, he's 547th. No way. Yes. You need to get back to work. What he are you doing? <laughs> uh, and then, mate, he knows, he, knows, he knows the players. That's why. And then the leader, obviously myself, because uh, no one else counts, I'm 418th. So I've, I've dropped down a little bit, but I'm uh, I'm I'm winning. So what do you want me to do about go that? We'll go on, Goody. Tell, tell him where I am. Where's Andy Rowe? Andy Rowe doesn't count. He does. He does where's not he count, going? mate. Where's he? I want to know where he is. Actually, to be fair, Andy Rowe's going pretty well. What? He's 225th. Thank He's you. ahead at the minute. Thank I you. mean, who wants to be 225th? <laughs> All right, what are you guys picking for this weekend? Wales, France. I'm saying France. I know people are, look, people are going to be looking at me thinking I'm ridiculous. You, well, that, you, you are. Yes, I am. I ain't got a clue <laughs> what I'm talking about. So you can take my points if if. You want, you don't have to. Goody made a good point, actually, when we were talking on the tube, eating uh, fish and chips. Um, he said that all this discontent in the French squad that has been sp- spoken about, and we had... Um, Philippe Saint-André. Yeah, so Philippe Saint-André was on last week talking about the mutiny within the camp. Gerardo, the captain, and Fabian Gautier, who's picking the team. Yeah! They've obviously missed a week off for the game against England, got cancelled. But all these things, you put them in the middle with a couple of cigarettes, and... <laughs> Something unbelievable could happen. No, 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 no. Wales, and again, I don't know what it is. I just can't why'd you, see it. Why do you hate the Welsh? I don't. I love the Welsh. You hate them. Mate, you, I love the Welsh. You, you've always bagged them. I like them, but I'm just looking at their performances. Second half against Australia dropped off massively. They beat them. Nearly got beat by Fiji. They smashed Fiji Mate, in the end. Struggled I mean, against. Str- hang on. Struggled against Uruguay. That's the second team. You know, Bigger's been run over. But how can I see France? They've got a big game in them. I think they look good. I think they'll take what Fiji did, try and play similar, but they've maybe got a little bit more control. Wales don't score masses of points, but they don't concede masses either. So Wales put loads of pressure on you for different ways. So their kicking game, their kick chase game, their physicality, Gareth Davis flying out the line, making intercepts on defensive reads. France have players that can carve up. So Racker, if he plays, you've got um, Dupont at nine, he's quality. Uh, Vakatara in the centre, uh, Penno on the wing if he's fit. But there's a lot of hurt in this Wales squad from that semi-final in 2011 when Warburton got sent off Wales are harnessing that pain and I think they beat France probably comfortably for a Wales victory which is probably only about 10 or 12 points but uh, I just think they strangle the life out of France Jim you've got France by how much? 8 you're absolutely crazy Okay, Japan, South Africa who's winning that Jim? I want to see Japan win but I think they've put so much emotion into this first game into this week into the, the, the tournament itself how do you bring yourself back up to that level again against South Africa, who are one of the best teams in the world now? You know, with the players that they've got, you know, the Bat Rover Mule and the size of their pack, you know, the physicality they've got. Ches and Colby on one wing, Ma Pimpy on the other wing. Um, 
Just South Africa, just too good. They know what happened in 2015. The world knew what happened in 2015. They've been in Japan a week longer. They beat Japan in their warm-up games. I want to see Japan give everything to them. And I'm sure that they will. I'm sure they'll be back up. But I just think one step too far. And again, I hope I'm proven wrong. By well, how much? You- 10. Goody, who you got? Uh, I'm going to say South Africa by 14. New Zealand v Ireland. I mean, you know my thoughts on Ireland. Nothing personal. Why are you being horrible to Ireland now? That's the thing. Why do you hate the Irish? I don't. Why love, do you hate Wales and Ireland? I love the Irish as well. No, I, you don't. I am like one of their sisters. I mean, one of their brothers. <laughs> I am like one of their brothers. Look, you know, Sexton's pissed off this week again about people saying that Ireland aren't good. It's not the fact that they're not good. No team has won the World Cup having lost in the pool stages. Now, whether or not that stat matters or not, Ireland obviously have been beaten in the pool stages by Japan. I've spoken about it before. I've not seen a, a complete performance by Ireland in a long time, but they might have one in them. Um, you know, Bundyaki is a big loss for them. I can't believe he's got a three-week ban. I thought a red card was was enough, but clearly not. They want to make a point of it. Um, New Zealand's just too good. By not, how much? They're not going to walk it. New Zealand by 15. 15? They're not going to walk it, but that's... No, I just changed at the last minute. I was going to say New Zealand by 11, but I'm going to go 15. I've got to say the same. New Zealand will win. Ireland, load of question marks. And I like Sexton coming out and saying defending his troops and all that stuff but he is so key for them so love to see Ireland win yeah I think think, you know you're picking teams and if you're not from that nation a lot of the world would love to see Ireland do it and as I would because I know we'll dust Ireland in the semi-finals then Um, but I just think New Zealand are too too good they've how much do they win by I think they win by 12 England Australia who wins it Jim closer than we think England by six. Um, you told me on the train you don't think England are going to win. No, I didn't say that. I, I yeah, don't think did. they're going to win. I yeah, said England will win, but it's this for some reason now it's making me nervous. Like we won six on the spin. This is where I drew on, that's why. Everyone's expecting England to win. Um, you know, they've got to get their decision-making right around who plays nine and ten for them and, and what suits them. And, you know, we had Drew Mitchell on the phone saying that he'd go with Foley. I'd probably go with Tamur at ten uh, and Karevi at, at, at twelve. But they can do a job on us. If uh, we lose our discipline, if Billy's not fit, um, you know, if Karevi runs at Ford and gets over the game line, Ford might go missing the big game. Who knows? Ford's playing very well, but we've not been tested. And this is a massive test. Uh, I'm back in England. Of course I am. I'm going to say England by five. Well, if you fancy going up against Jim and Goody, just download the app by visiting matchpoint.co.uk forward slash app or wherever you get your apps from. And you can join the Rugby Pod League as well by using the code RugbyPod to play against them and win free pints of Guinness and loads of other cool prizes as well. Speaking of England, Goody caught up with a man who scored a hat trick at the last World Cup, Nick Easter, for our super fan subscription service at patreon.com. And we thought we'd play you a quick clip of that now so you can get a little taste of what's on offer. Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod. I'm going to ask you... Uh one of your famous quotes, I don't know whether it was you, that has been reported that it might have been a senior player with the name Nick Easter. Um, after that quarterfinal defeat, there were rumours that in the change room, some players were like, that's 35 grand down the down the swanee or down the toilet. Uh, can you divulge on that, mate? I've told you this before, mate. <laughs> I was well aware, okay, having done my accountancy exams, that there was tax implications. And so it would have been, what, 22 grand or something like that <laughs> if I had said it. So I you know, flatly deny that. I like that. Straight back, deny. Uh, Manu swimming off the uh, the boat in the port. Can you see any of that going on in Japan? Well, that was after we knocked out. That was the Sunday when, well, what else are you going to do? Mope around your hotel room. Um, so guys did their own things. The Leicester boys dared it. Didn't, I, think, I don't think you've spoken to them as well. They didn't think he would do it. Um, but he did. 
And fair play, he didn't drown. <laughs> because he's quite a dense bloke. He is a dense bloke. Um, you can't see any misdemeanors going on on the Eddie Jones' watch in Japan then? Um, look, guys would have learned from it. Um, they're, they're privy to it all the time. I've spoken about mobile phones, smartphones, people wanting to catch them out. Um, you can't do anything whether you're traveling, you know, on a tube, whether, you're, whether I just go for a coffee down the road here or something like this. You've got to watch how you behave because anyone could be watching. Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod. There you go. Just head to patreon.com forward slash the rugby pod if you like the sound of that and sign up to loads of extra interviews and features for just a few quid a month. And Jim, you've got a couple more Japanese proverbs for us, haven't you, mate? They have. They've gone down very well. And now I am Japanese. And you like oh, you to are Japanese now, are you? The name of the feature as well don't you yeah I've got, well i don't i just i don't necessarily like to i just want to tell you, you what love, it is you love to. so this feature is called japan through jim's eye also known as jim's, jim's japs eye. eye and this week i've been given a frog in a well does not know the great sea so a frog in a well does not know the great sea i think i've got this one have you yeah so if you're even though you're in the water, there's a bigger world out there. So even though you think you know it, you actually don't. So it's a bit like a big fish in a small pond kind of thing. That's not what he described. Oh, is it? <laughs> that sounds so much better. What is it? I think Jim, you're a lot closer than Andy Wright. Really? Oh. What is it? Well, so basically it translates as people making judgments on their own limited experiences without knowledge of the world outside of it. That's too deep for me. So basically, you were right. So the next one is one who chases two hares won't even catch one. So basically, this means focus on one thing. Just focus Mm. on the one thing in your life. Mm. You know, don't think about food. Don't think about drink. Just think about one of them. So like me, stop thinking about there's something else out there. Stop going out till four in the morning. You don't need to. Go home, Jim. And love your family like they love you. <laughs> is that what it means? Uh, basically, if it means if you do two things at once, you'll fail at both. But yeah. I'm going to call a steward's, steward's inquiry this week. Why? I think you've, you're not that intelligent, Jim. But I've smashed it. So what you've done is you've, you've got them from producer Tim, then you've Googled them, and then you've got the answers. And I can't give you credit for that, I'm, I'm afraid. But well done this week, Jim, for using Google. Back, back on the compliment, and that isn't the case. I'm an honest man, apart from... Friday, but I was honest, but I just got in late. <laughs> well, as well as the World Cup this autumn, there's also a brand new format of rugby being launched that's been developed with the help of Olympic gold medal winning sevens coach Ben Ryan. It's called Rugby X. You guys looking forward to seeing how this goes? I am. I'm just doing an X with my arms. You know what I do on the X Factor. Mate, yeah, it should be good. I've always said I was never suited to the game. Um, well, you never suited to... You were suited to Moreland on a Tuesday morning. Very true. But I'm looking forward to seeing it. Yeah, it should be good. Do you know what they do if they draw? One-on-one, here we go. Yeah, they do, actually, Imagine yeah. that. Imagine going one-on-one. Who are you picking? Mate, so, I'd, I'd rather let someone go through than do one-on-ones. <laughs> yeah, looking forward to watching it. Would hate to play in it. Well, it launches inside the O2 Arena on Tuesday, the 29th of October, with afternoon sessions, which are perfect for the family, and evening sessions as well. Tickets start from 10 quid uh, for kids and 20 quid for adults and are available at rugbyx.com. Should we have a look at some social media questions? Oh, please, can't wait. Right, shall we, um, before we get into the other ones, uh, should we have a carry on the hell of a bush 15? you got anything there well i got a message last week actually so i put alex grove in it last week yeah um and i'm just gonna read you what he said he messaged me saying hi goody hope you're well uh honored to make the hell of a bush 15 how are you both getting on just let you know i've trimmed my bush now you've said it so we change people's lives well we change his wife's life <laughs> yeah, <we are. laughs> really rather yeah, than his exactly so uh yeah i uh, put grove in it last week um 
My include. I need a scrum half. Yeah. And we've both played with him. Everyone's got that mate that would do absolutely anything. A loose guy, a loose character. This guy had one hell of a bush. And I think we, we taught him to trim it at Leicester, didn't we, Jim? Mate, I didn't teach anyone anything, mate. <laughs> Basically, the scrum half for my hell of a bush back line will be Harry Ellis. Hell of a bush. Oh, well done, Harry. Very, very you know, black hairs, thick, dark, lovely. Jim, can you concur? Well, I can concur with that. I mean, look, week of the Australia game, England-Australia 2003, who was the captain? Martin Johnson. I don't want to stereotype it. I'm sure he's got out of a bush and we'll make him captain because he he's an absolute legend. Uh, quite a few people were also asking if you're going to come out of retirement on Twitter, Jim. Well, no, so, people are asking, has he had any offers yet? Yeah, that, That's the offers, actual yeah. question. And he's going to still say, yes, he's coming out of retirement. I'm not. No, he's I, a fuck all offers. I'm not in the headspace after th- for what happened Friday. So ask well, me what next do, week. What do you do? That you, what do you know? <laughs> Grey Geese uh, has tweeted, what defines tier one and tier two? Is it results? Is it money? Or is it Bill Beaumont? All right, Geese. Well, we spoke about it earlier in the show. We don't know. No one knows. It's an old boys club. It needs to be changed. I actually think it's just tier one nations are basically uh, six nations teams and the rugby championship teams. And I think that's the definition of how it is. Would Argentina be tier one? Yes. Right. Okay. Thanks for that. And Italy. Yes. And Scotland. I can't and, believe and that. Scotland. I, I can't believe Mate, that. Mate, you need to be careful going back up to Scotland again. They ate you. <laughs> they, they ate me. Well, they, well, no, they wouldn't be able to eat you now. With the Premiership starting again this weekend, who are you guys predicting for the top four, top six, and who's going down any bets? Well, I'm looking at the Gallagher English Premiership now, and at the minute we've got Bath at the top and Worcester at the bottom. <laughs> so I can't see uh, it. That would be because it's in alphabetical order, James. Okay, I've just picked on, on that literally as I just said it. It is. It starts this weekend. I'm on BT Sport. I don't know how, but on Saturday for the Saracens-Northampton game. Is it Bristol-Bath first game up on Friday? Woohoo! I'm going to make... An outrageous prediction. I don't know if Extra will be in top four. Although they've been very clueless. Good. They've been very good in preseason and in so the Premier w- Cup. W- what are you what are you basing this on? You don't think they'll be in the top four? So I think Saracens I definitely mean, won't. I think Sale are going to be good this year. I think Gloucester are going to be good. Harlequins as well, I think are going to be good again. Wasps. No chance. You don't reckon? What do you reckon? What You don't reckon do you, we're going to be top four? Do you reckon Wasps are going to be top four? I think Wasps Absolutely will get in this year with no my favourite player, Malachi Fekitoa. What a piece. Mate, he's one player. Mate, he's, I mean, fair. that's a great point. That's a great point you're making. <laughs> that's a great point and I could change my mind. Wasps ain't getting anywhere near it. Oh, can I go against Exeter? So if Exeter aren't going to make the top four, what are you going to do? Yeah, what you I'll, do? Sh- I'll shave your head, Andy Rowe. <laughs> we always say that. I'm not doing that, mate. I'm mainstream media now. I can't be doing this stuff. I'm going to go Saracens at the top, Gloucester second, Sale third, and between Exeter and Quinns for fourth, with Worcester getting relegated. Who's getting fourth? I just told you. He didn't. He said two. You said Quinns or Exeter. So just say it now. Exeter. I'm sure he's backtracked. Oh, yeah, he's I've, back, backtracked. I've backtracked. Oh, I, well, I'm saying it out loud, so it's what I'm thinking. When I say it out loud, it sounds ridiculous. <laughs> so I ain't got it in me. Um, it's a tough one to call this year, actually, because of the knock-on effect of the World oh, Cup. Oh, don't make excuses. You haven't got any players at the World Cup. No, I'm not. Well, I'm, I'm saying for any fact. You see, oh, you well, can, what's you, haven't got any players, have they? Yeah, have. Who? Joe Launchbury. Oh, very true. Saracens and Exeter, definitely top two. You reckon? Just, okay, fine. I'm sorry. Um, but, 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 uh, I'm going to back Wasps. Of course I am. And Do you genuinely believe that what's going to be top four? You're just saying that this year, I genuinely believe they will. All right, okay. Well, I, 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 yeah, fine. We got rid of a lot of players that didn't, in my opinion, 
and it's only my opinion, knew they were leaving last year, didn't perform to the levels that they've performed previously that's got them these contract okay, offers. I want to hear your top four then. Uh, so, top four, Saracens, Exeter, this is not in any order. Wasps. Wasps and, ooh, I really fancy Quinns this year. Over Gloucester and, mate, look at the team that Sale have got now. I know, I know. Mate, you need to, hey. That's why the, the Premiership's so hard this year because of the knock-on effects of the World Cup. Everyone signed really well. Sale are going to be a massive threat. Uh, Bristol, again, could be better. Chat of George Ford potentially going to Bristol. I've heard that. Mm, not this season, obviously, for next season. Uh, Gloucester are going to be good again. Just make your mind up. Yeah, I've, I've said it, Quinns. All right, well, let's finish things off with the good, the bad and the ugly, which is brought to you this week by the Telegraph Sports subscription. Go and check it out at telegraph.co.uk forward slash the rugby pod for quality analysis and insight on this year's World Cup. From Japan, from the likes of Sir Emma Geekin, Danny Cipriani, Will Greenwood and more. Rugby pod listeners get a free month and then a further three months at half price at just 50p a week. You'll get unlimited access to all their sports coverage, insight and analysis. So make sure you're in the know with the rugby pod and the Telegraph. Just head to telegraph.co.uk forward slash the rugby pod. Good. Plenty of good this week. We're going to start in France because there's a team that won a game towards the death that we've bagged. They've been in the bad a lot. Stade Francais won their first game of the season. Did they? Yeah, they beat Toulon. 33 points to 30. Uh, aren't Stade bottom of the league? They are still bottom of the league, but they got their first win. So we'll give them the tip of the slipper. Uh, that was pretty good. What else is good? Semi Randrandra, player of the pool stages I'm going to say uh, most carries most metres made and most defenders beaten in the pool stage in a team that didn't overly excel in Fiji uh, what an absolute worldie of a player um, what else was good Canada helping with the recovery effort in Kamaishi after their game against Namibia was cancelled um, we'll stay in Japan and we're just going to leave it in Japan uh, and we're going to talk about the Japanese national team Fukuoka's offload and Matsushima's try the good this week though has to go to the whole country of Japan uh, not only did Japan overcome the effects of Typhoon Hagibis they dealt with the emotion perfectly playing spectacular rugby qualifying for the knockout stages with 19 points out of a possible 20 and have now won six consecutive World Cup matches whilst knocking Scotland out of the World Cup Japan for everything that went on as a country over the last week and the weekend from the bad in terms of the typhoon to the amazing scenes of getting the games on, smashing out the Scots, packing out the stadiums. Japan, as a country, get the good. That's good. Uh, the bad. We'll start off with Leicester. Uh, losing three in a row to Northampton Saints at Welford Road. Uh, not great for them. Um, what else was bad? Uh, Scotland going out of the World Cup at the pool stage for just the second time ever. But the bad this week, for me goes to world rugby uh, it was very sad that italy had their chance of facing the all blacks and potentially qualifying being taken away from the likes of sergio parise alessandro zani and giraldini uh, they might now not get their last chance to play for italy and a big send-off but more importantly the decision was taken away from them by world rugby by cancelling the game against the all blacks so the bad this week goes to world rugby for not having a contingency plan to make sure that all pool games get played the ugly. Uh, two bits of ugly, really, for me this week. Uh, first of all, we'll start off with Sam Matavesi. No, he's not ugly, but he had his bag stolen from his car in London after landing back from the World Cup with all his Fiji shirts and other World Cup memorabilia in there. So if anyone sees any of that for sale online or can help find out where it is, what's happened to it, and can help out Sam get it back, then please get in touch with us here at the Rugby Pod or get in touch directly with Sam Matavesi. Uh, but the actual ugly this week goes to 
unfortunately, Scottish rugby and the whole threat of legal action around the cancellation of their last group game from Scottish rugby and now World Rugby potentially charging them with bringing the game into disrepute. It's not a good look for anyone. It's not a good look for the game of rugby and it certainly isn't a good look for the World Cup. So that gets the ugly this week. Thanks, Goody. Thanks, Jim. And thanks, Producer Tim. Thank you also for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, follow us on Twitter, review us on iTunes and check out our Superfans monthly subscription service at patreon.com forward slash the rugby pod rugby pod 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 pod